0: To marathon swim stories where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure adapt and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life i'm shannon keegan marathon swimmer wife mom and swim efficiency coach at intrepid water where we seek to empower individuals to become comfortable and confident in the water so they can start swimming places. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual efficient swimming basics program at intrepidwater.com. In this episode of Marathon Swim Stories, I had a stimulating conversation with the co-founder of the Marathon Swimmers Federation and creator of Long Swim's database and track RS, Evan Morrison. In February, 2020, Evan became the first person to swim San Francisco's round trip Angel Island swim in winter with temps in the low 50s for nearly nine hours. We talk about putting everything out of your mind, finding ways to give back to the sport, how you always remember the feeling of completing a marathon swim, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. your story,
1: Evan. Well, uh, I've been swimming since uh, before I can remember, I guess. (laughs) My parents put me in the water when I was uh, two or three and uh, I joined the swim team when I was six and pretty much have been swimming the rest of my life ever since then. And I had um, a uh, congenital uh, hip dysplasia when I was born, and because of that, I uh, haven't really been able to do many other sports. So swimming was kind of my, my one athletic outlet that I've had, uh, and so that's just what I've done. I, um, you know, I, I was doing com- competitive pool swimming is pretty much like a uh, more than a part time job, starting at about I don't know 12 or 13 years old, uh, oh, wow. and I can. Continue doing that uh, through two years of college, and mm-hmm. at that point, it it just became too much with my academic workload, and I was burned out, and it kind of I think reached the the limit of of my ability in in pool swimming, um, and so I kind of retired at that point. And about uh, ten years later, I I discovered open water swimming and. You know that's what I've been doing since then. Um, I did do I guess some master swimming through most of my twenties um, so I wasn't completely out of the water uh, by any means but it was it was pretty half hearted I guess until mm-hmm. until I found it in water
0: yeah when did you start pushing distances uh, I guess
1: it was
0: um I could point some
1: to one thing, it was probably the Big Shoulders 5K in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that in 2009, just kind of on a, a whim to see if I could do it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, um, you know, that, that, was the, that was how it happened. I, I loved it. And, and I thought, well, I did 5K, I would try 10K. And then mm-hmm. you just kind of go from there and keeps building upon itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it feels like it's kind of infectious for some, the people that catch the bug, they kind of catch it quick. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so what do you think attracts you to continue swimming marathons?
1: I, I'm sorry, one more time?
0: Oh, that I said what attracts you to continue swimming marathons?
1: Uh, I guess I enjoy uh, trying to find out what my limit is, kind of, uh, enjoy the process of learning about the body of water and and its moods and its personalities and experiencing a a body of water in a way that hardly anyone else gets to do in that particular way. You know, you get to, uh, by being fully immersed, you get to experience it in a a way that's much different than sitting on a beach and looking at a body of water, or, or even being on a boat. And uh, I, that's, that's very interesting and fulfilling to me.
0: Awesome. Can you describe a little bit about the kind of different personalities of bodies of waters that you've experienced? <laughs>
1: huh. Well. Uh,
0: Comparatively, like maybe you know, lake versus ocean. I don't know. I
1: don't. Sure. Know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when I was. First, really starting to train up for big swims, I was living in Chicago, uh, and I lived uh, just a couple blocks from Lake Michigan, and so I was able to walk out my door and jump in the lake with, you know, within just a few minutes. And uh, Lake Michigan is is enormous. Obviously, it, it shares some characteristics with, you know, an ocean that uh, that a smaller lake wouldn't wouldn't have. Uh, but, you know, you, uh, a body of water doesn't exist in isolation. It's in a particular climate uh, that, that has particular weather, weather patterns. And I think I've, I got used to, you know, I could tell based on the, based on the, the weather and the winds what kind of water temperature I, I was likely to encounter in the lake uh, in, in Lake Michigan, if, if there's any kind of west wind. Uh, at least when you're on the Chicago side, uh, when there's any kind of west wind, it tends to get very cold very quickly because it pulls up the cold water from, from down below, mm-hmm. uh, and with a north wind, uh, or an east wind in the summer, uh, it can get quite comfortable up in, uh, well into the seventies.
0: Hmm.
1: And then of course in San Francisco where I am now, the, the bay is just an incredibly dynamic body of water with, uh, with profoundly strong currents that um you know that vary by the tide cycle and also you know by the the moon phase and then Mm -hmm. that the currents are constantly interacting with the wind um and every time you go out there it's different and so that that makes it exciting i guess
0: yeah yeah i just um I liked how you described it. That was why I wanted you to dig into that a little bit. I've not heard people talk about the moods of, of the water before, but it's totally true. It's awesome. Right. Um, how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? Mm.
1: Well, I think I'm sure it's different for everyone. Uh, for me, at least in the moments when I when I finish, it's it's relief more than anything. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, uh, r- reminds me a little of finishing up at the dentist office or something. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, the, uh, I'm not in pain anymore. That <laughs> um, but of course, it's different than the dentist office in a lot of ways. It, um, there's a a pride uh, and a, an ecstasy of of finishing a, a goal that you've been preparing for for a long time. Mm-hmm. That, of course, lasts forever. I think you know it. I think about swims I did 10 years ago and I, I still know what that felt like to finish. Um, yeah. So that's my
0: answer. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like how you talk about it, you know, like that it transcends time because it's true, you know, like it's it's fulfilling, it lasts forever. That's a really good point. Um, can you tell us about your favorite place to swim?
1: Uh, I feel very lucky to be able to have access to Aquatic Park and the South End Rowing Club in San Francisco. I think there's there's so many advantages uh, in being an open water swimmer and, and living here um, that are still are very rare anywhere else in the world. Uh, but I would say that my favorite place to swim anywhere is Promontory Point in Chicago. Um, it's um, I don't know if you know Promontory Point. It, it's on the oh, south right. side. It's about um, seven miles south of downtown Chicago, in mm-hmm. the Hyde Park neighborhood, uh, where the President Obama lives, uh, oh. or where, where his house is there in, mm-hmm. in Hyde Park. And uh, you know, like I mentioned before, this is kind of where I was swimming when I was first doing my first my first big swims, mm-hmm. and um, you know my first four-hour training swim was was in like Michigan there at Promontory Point and mm-hmm. uh, I met some really good people there and we're still friends and uh, the, the point itself is a, a city park and it's just so beautiful um, at any time of the year I think especially in the fall um, with the leaves uh, changing colors and the, uh, the setup for swimming there is just fantastic. The the entry point, there's a ladder. Well, the point is a kind of a a landfill that sticks out into the lake Mm. by three or 400 yards. And the ladder that's out at the end of the point where you you get in on the ladder and it's immediately like 10 feet deep. Nice. And then you can swim. It's almost exactly half a mile to swim over to uh, the pier to the south. That's what most people do. They kind of swim laps between the point and the pier. Uh, It's a mile-round trip.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: and you get all all kinds of conditions so i love it there i
0: I miss it (laughs) that's cool is there a favorite um event that you've participated in marathon swim event that you'd recommend
1: you know um this the marathon swimming scene now is so different than it was when i was kind of most active which is about um I guess seven to 10 years ago, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think my, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the the Manhattan Island Marathon swim in, in 2011, which of course they now call 20 Bridges. And the year that, uh, that I swam around Manhattan, um, there's so many awesome people in the race. Uh, uh, Sarah Thomas was, was doing her, like her first, uh, well, maybe she had done Catalina before that, but it was one of her first big swims. Um, mm-hmm. And but Sarah calls it. Sarah says we we were uh, we were baby swimmers. That's how she <laughs> describes it. We we absolutely were big baby marathon swimmers. Uh, also <laughs> there that day, like Greg O'Connor was there. Courtney Polk uh, was swimming. Um, John Van Wissa is not really active anymore, but the, that guy was like an incredible. Uh, channel swimmer from uh, Australia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Erica Rose uh, won the race that day. She was uh, um, competed professionally on the Phoenix circuit, not super fast. Um, Oliver Wilkinson, uh, he's Australian, living in England, still pretty active. Amazing swimmer. Mm-hmm. So just um, and then the environment there that day, like it, um, it was the same weekend as the Marathon Swimming Hall of Fame induction ceremony in, in mm. New York. Wow. Uh, and so there was all these like famous marathon swimmers in town for that. And they came out to watch the start. Cool. And it was just so I, I think uh, I absolutely love New York Open Water and the people involved in New York Open Water. But I think one thing that's a little different nowadays is uh, MIMS back then was a huge swim, I mean, there was like 50 people swimming at the same time. Wow. Uh, and it's much getting smaller nowadays and so but the scene where you have all these like really good marathon swimmers there at the same time uh and then all these legends of the sport who are standing there watching um wow. it was incredible um and i was in such great shape back then like compared to, compared to now uh so i missed that too but anyway, so that was a highlight
0: yeah yeah can you tell us about a swim that you're the most proud of
1: Hmm. Uh, You know, I think the um, Rancho Avengers Island swim that I did in February of this year may be that swim that I'm most proud of. I think it was certainly the one where I was most uncertain if I could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a long swim, but it, it has very challenging currents. And when you do it on February 1st, it's really cold. Uh, And so I had been training through the winter for, uh, um, you know, a couple of months starting in about mid-December with uh, Amy Gebser and Robin Rose and some of my South End friends. And Mm we've been doing some good good training in the cold water through December and January. And uh, I was turning 40 in February and thought, okay, I'm going to try this. I had done the Runship Angel Island uh, five years ago, but it was in the middle of the summer and much warmer. Mm. So I just
0: mm-hmm.
1: wanted to challenge myself. And I thought, you know, if this ends up being a six hour swim, 52 degrees, that's going to be really hard. I don't, I, I just, I've been trained pretty well, but I didn't know if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it turned into a nine hour swim. Wow. And, you know, I was okay. Like I kind of reached a certain level of, Perception of cold in the first couple of hours, and then it just kind of held steady, and it was fine. So, uh, and then of course, when you have a, a six-hour swim, that turns into a nine-hour swim, that it takes a lot of uh, 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 mental persistence to keep going. So, I guess yeah. maybe it would be that one.
0: That's yeah, it's fresh anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, talk about that. Um, what did you call it? Did you say mental persistence or mental persistence, right? Or resistance? <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. How do you kind of develop or hone that? I don't know. Do <laughs> You think you have it? I, you had it before you started swimming? Or do you think you've developed I, I'm reluctant.
1: it? I'm reluctant to say that one is just kind of born with it because I don't think that's true. I think you can certainly develop it. But I've never been conscious of Developing it myself, I guess. Uh, hmm. I think I've always been able to to be persistent and when I needed to, at whatever I needed to do. Uh, that's not to say that I always succeed and and that, but uh, I don't know. I think a lifetime of swimming gives you a, a self awareness of what you can do and the the signs of uh, you know how well you're trained up and how you're feeling on a given day that can, can get you through stuff and uh i don't know i think i when i'm when i'm doing a a long swim i think as much as possible i just try to put everything out of my mind uh i'm not thinking about anything because if i start thinking about stuff and i'm in pain Usually it's going to be negative stuff.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I
1: start talking myself out of things and and that doesn't help anything. So I try to kind of clean everything from my consciousness and focus on the sound of the splashing water and uh, and the, the feeling of the, of the water on my body and kind of the things that I see underwater. Uh, but nothing, no kind of, there's no running narrative, I guess, mm-hmm. while I'm swimming, and I think that that does help kind of keep going.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good advice too. Um, can you tell us about a favorite memory from one of your swims, or two, or three? <laughs> mm.
1: Mm. It's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a few, I guess, that compete. Uh, I think swimming down the Hudson at the end of the Manhattan swim, uh, I ended up passing, I think, four people in the Hudson. Uh-huh. Went from like sixth to or seventh to third wow. in the last part of that swim. And so that was pretty fun. Uh, uh, you know, uh, um, my Santa Barbara channel swim was tough for a lot of reasons. One of which was that there's a, a documentary being made while I was swimming it. Um, there was a, I had my, my escort boat and then there was the second boat that had a film crew on it. And, um, there's a kind of added pressure of like, well, if I, if I fail this, then <laughs> it's, it's all on tape. Um, <laughs> But I remember, uh, you know, it was pretty, the, the conditions were really bad uh, overnight. And it was a new moon, so it was super dark. Oh, man. And, and I remember when the there was first twilight in the sky in the morning. Um, the first thing I remember seeing was the, the film guys. There was one of them in a scuba suit. Well, maybe not, like, you know, a full tank or anything, but he has, like, a full wetsuit on with a GoPro, like, 10 feet <laughs> below him. <laughs> and i was just kind of laughing like at how ridiculous this is like that was the first thing i saw was this, this <laughs> dude underneath me like filming me um so anyway i it was another i think three hours after that before i finished But that was i think a tip, t- typical experience for these uh, california channels swims. they they start in the middle of the night and then it's tough while it's dark, and then the sun comes up and everything is, you know, roses and rainbows. <laughs> um, but uh, that's one
0: that I remember. Yeah. Can you tell us about that documentary? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with it.
1: Uh, sure. It, um, it's called Driven, and uh, it follows uh, three different uh, swimmers who are doing Santa Barbara Channel swims in 2012 mm-hmm. as myself and three at birth, who uh, from Huntington Beach, California, and she did uh, Ana Kappa, the Oxnard swim. And then uh, a um, at the time, 13 year old girl, uh, Fiona Go, who also did the Ana Kappa swim and um, just kind of, Followed the three of us on our respective journeys, uh, not just in the swim itself, but they talked to us beforehand. They kind of got into the background of it, and into our lives a little bit. Um, mm. And uh, Fiona actually didn't make it on her first try, and that was the, the one that was filmed. Actually, she didn't make it. And I don't know. I don't think this. I mean, it's public record and everything, but yeah. she eventually does, like, on, a, on her second try, she comes back and
0: finishes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, my, my song was really challenging for a lot of reasons, but uh, anyway, it was great. Like, um, they managed to get interviews with uh, David Udivin, who is no longer with us, but is, like, one of the all-time great marathon swimmers, um, mm-hmm. and who was the first... The swim that I did from Santa Cruz to Oxnard, David Utevan was the first person to do that swim. Wow. So they got an interview with him. Um, they interviewed Steve Minotonas and Ned Dennison mm-hmm. a few times. Uh, so, you know, it was a, kind of a glimpse into the three of us, but, but also just into the sport and the, the inner workings of uh, yeah. a marathon swimming. Cool. So it's on, um, I don't know, it's, uh, I can't give you the website off the top of my head, but it's. You like
0: download it and watch it and stuff. Um, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. We could put in the uh, show notes too <laughs> if you if you want to yeah. push it out there. Um, can you tell us? Is there anything you haven't finished?
1: Um, as far as official swims go, uh, no, I haven't. But um, now I, <laughs> there's plenty of training swims I haven't finished. Like, I definitely have experience like giving up on something and not feeling great about it afterwards and mm-hmm. knowing that I that I broke down mentally or physically or some combination of the two. Uh, you know, growing up, there's there's uh, times in my races, like the, my goals, swim cuts that I needed to make that I didn't make. Uh, definitely not, not always succeeded at stuff. Uh, and I think it's not necessarily a, a good thing to never have finished because, um, or sorry, never have not finished because I'm, um, I mean, the the question that comes up is well, have you, have you really challenged yourself sufficiently if mm-hmm. you're picking things that you know that you can do, uh, and then you really never know what your limit is and that's mm-hmm. how you do fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
0: anyway.
1: <laughs> not that it's not to say that I want to fail.
0: Right, thing. right. Uh,
1: Nobody, nobody wants to
0: do that. Yeah. But it is interesting when you, you know, you'd said that you, you know, that you like marathon swimming to push your limits, but yeah, if you haven't failed, have you pushed your limits? It's a good (laughs) self-reflection.
1: Right. It's a conundrum.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How's the pandemic been for you?
1: Uh, You know, it's, I wish I still had access to the south end run club uh, it's, it's a really great uh, facility and, and it's nice to have access to the showers in the sauna after you go swimming and to you uh, um, see more people more frequently but other than that, honestly, I kind of like it <laughs> I, I don't I don't need a lot of people around me to be emotionally okay like i'm Mm -hmm. fine on my own with my my wife or my my cat like it's it's fine i I
0: don't mind yeah that's yeah yep um let's see so has there been any carryover so I guess it hasn't been hard for you so there's no like uh learnings you've had from marathon swimming that you've had to carry into your daily day life through the pandemic I mean
1: I guess what I would say is like if we're just talking about swimming then that that's my answer but clearly the the world is in a very bad place right now for a lot of reasons uh, so if we're if we're getting into that and I don't think we are but you know I don't want to say that I think everything is wonderful,
0: right, right now. it's
1: not, but, but in terms of like my specific experience of swimming in the context of the pandemic, then okay, I, it could be much worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, how would you say that you handle hard situations?
1: What's a hard situation? What are we talking about? Like within a like in the middle of a swim or something, or what do
0: yeah, you mean? Yeah, we can go with it. I guess I kind of leave it open to interpretation, but if you want to talk about it through swimming, that's, that's super relevant. I think there are, is carryover, though, from what we learn in swimming, can, can help us out in life. Um, so you can take it wherever you want it.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess in the middle of the swim, uh, I'm only aware of my own experience for the most part. There could be hard situations happening on the boat, and I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, It's hard enough to even hear them during a feed when they're trying to tell me something. So, uh, if we're you know a hard situation within my own mind, like in a swim, if I'm struggling with something again, I think I addressed this a little before that I tried to clear clear everything out, um, and then avoid at all costs trying to avoid at all costs getting into kind of a spiral of negative emotions, um, really th- that doesn't help anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know, I, a couple, of, a couple of swims in the past couple of years that I haven't been super well-trained for, I've, uh, and, I, and I knew that I was not well-trained for it. Um, like actually um, the Portland Bridge swim a couple of years ago, I, I did that swim and like a, on like a, a couple of weeks of training. Um, and I knew like, this is going to be, this is going to be painful. Um, and so as much as possible, I just tried to focus on like, it's, it's super cool to be out here doing this swim, you know, instead of being home on the couch or something, you know, all the <laughs> other non, non-productive things I could be doing, I'm, just, I'm lucky to be here. Um, I love Portland. It's cool to see it from this angle. Mm-hmm. I uh, proactively find the, the positive aspects of, of the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not
1: uh, naturally good at that anyway, but I think it, it has helped situations mm-hmm. on, on swims.
0: Yeah, changing perspective, so to speak. <clears throat> um, you had mentioned about clearing your mind. Is that something you practice outside of swimming, or is swimming kind of your activity for clearing your mind?
1: Yeah, just, just swimming. I'm not a I'm not a Buddhist or a <laughs> yoga practitioner or, or anything like that. Um, so, And I, don't, you know, I don't, don't really have any systematic way of doing that or anything that I've learned. But um, yeah, so swimming, I think that's the main venue for, for that practice.
0: Mm. Um, how about adapting? How do you adapt to changing conditions?
1: Mm, uh, Well, I think you have to accept that the the water is far more powerful than you are and you're not going to be able to fight it. And so if you accept that, then it comes down to adapting to it. And the water, the conditions, they are what they are. There's nothing you can do about it. And so the best you can do is uh, kind of adapt your stroke to it. And um, the one phrase I really like uh, that comes from David Barra um, is you, you come to a temporary agreement with the water. <laughs> um, and it's, it's not always easy, and it's not always pleasant, but um, the more that you can keep us a steady state mentally, uh, and have different gears in your in your stroke, uh, and different kind of techniques to deal with. You know, I like guess some people do the like, kind of windmill Janet Evans style stroke when there's big waves and stuff, so they don't get their hand caught on the water. And mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting adaptation. So just uh, stuff like that that you learn from a lot of open water
0: experience. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Um... What would, advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer?
1: Mm. Let's see. Um, I would. A little cynical, but I would say try not to put too much stock in other people's lists or things that you think that other people think are important. Because this is such a personal journey, each of these swims, and each body of water is so different. Like I know people like the Triple Crown and the Ocean Seven and stuff that they're kind of arbitrary. Uh, just list somebody else made up, and they're great swims. I, I don't mean to put it to put down any of those swims, but I think it's maybe more fulfilling if you approach it like these are very interesting bodies of water that I want to learn about and different. Countries and cultures that I can experience along the way, um, and I think that that is more more of a lasting experience than just like checking a a box on somebody else's checklist. Um, I get the feeling as how it's sometimes approached. That, um, and then the second thing I'd say is try to try to think of ways to, that you can uniquely contribute to the sport that are more than just doing swims. Because the swims are very selfish endeavors. You take, 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 and you depend on the generosity of so many other people. Um, And whether whether that's starting a new event or taking over an existing event to, to race direct or to start a community somewhere, where you live, a sort of an open water community, or um, and I've spent a lot of time trying to create uh, various resources for uh, for developing a sport. That's kind of what I've honestly like the past five years put most of my time into, compared to actually doing swims. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that can be a more a more lasting way to participate in the sport, like doing. The training that you need to do for, for these really long swims is pretty tough to sustain unless you have your life set up in a very specific sort of way. Um, and I honestly, I, I enjoy swimming more when it's, there's not as much pressure to like go in every single day and do a bunch of mileage. That's hard. I, I did it for a couple of years, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't sustain it. If you have other outlets for that, um, other ways to participate and to contribute, then I I would encourage that Mm -hmm. for anyone getting into the sport now, to start thinking about that.
0: That's awesome advice. Um, Do you consider yourself a process or an outcome person?
1: I don't really know what that means, but I, (laughs) I guess it depends on how important the outcome is you know I'm outcome oriented if i really need the outcome but if i don't then i think it's probably more enjoyable to enjoy the process but I, I don't know I, I can't say one way or the other
0: yeah no, that's fair i just think it's kind of a fascinating um when you think about different training styles and um some people are really driven by the you know the miles they get in and the uh, and yeah can be really really focused on that process and the outcome is important or it's it's fulfilling maybe but maybe not um i don't know i just think it's an interesting thing to think about <laughs> um
1: if there is on any given day honestly yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep like some um, days, it's like i need to get a four-hour training session today and so at three hours you're like ah oh, this really sucks and so if you're process oriented then maybe you think well, I've done. I've done enough. I'll go get the sauna now. But if you're outcome-oriented, stick it out for another hour. But yeah. if I don't need the four-hour training swim in, and I'm just trying to have a nice swim, that's a little different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, who's marathon swim story do you want to hear?
1: Uh, I think you. It looks like you've already covered a couple of my very favorite swimmers, uh, Sarah. Uh, I think you either have just done Caroline or you have her coming up. Um, nice. I have Michelle Macy, obviously, is a super interesting lady um, and an awesome swimmer. Uh, but I guess um, i might suggest uh, talk her to Anthony McCarley. He, uh, he, he's quite an interesting guy and has accomplished a lot in his like non Non-swimming world, but also he's done some awesome swims, all of which he did, did after the age of fifty. Um, and I think it's uh, pretty impressive what he's done. Um, and he's done some probably has some interesting stories from from those swims. Um, you know, Jesse Harewitz uh, from uh, Vancouver yes. mm-hmm. is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she lives in a different. Uh, I I get a little international. Vancouver, I guess, is technically international. Speaking to her, in many ways, just speaking to an American. But she's she's done some really amazing swims up there in British Columbia. And um, just been doing a lot to create community up there. Um, She's fun. Those are two that come to mind.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I love your advice for aspiring marathon swimmers about, you know, like that, because I think that's something, at least that has been on my mind. Those last few sessions, we've had some talks about inclusion and, you know, in a not very diverse sport, it's, we kind of switched over to inclusivity and like, you know, not just focusing on the people that are doing the iconic swims and, you know, and talking about people who are doing, you know, just kind of water discovery. So it's, um, so anyway, I just thought that was great advice for aspiring swimmers
1: It's a very, very white privileged sport yeah, and that is troubling. I think there's some some aspects that can't be helped, like you know a boat a charter boat is going to cost what a charter boat costs yeah and that's a that's an expense that's not going away anytime soon, but I mm. think that we, you know, and doing swims in New York City is never going to be cheap.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: but I think we can, as a community, the more that that we can focus on creating experiences and creating events that do save costs, uh and are financially accessible to people. Uh, uh, and I think some of that is maybe de- developing developing sport and creating events in new locations where these uh, expenses and taxes have not quite crept in as much as they have in some of the hot spots like New York and gosh, even um, I, I did Catalina in 2011 and like the, the cost of the boats now for that swim have doubled from when uh-huh. I did it. And I'm pretty sure that the cost of living hasn't doubled. <laughs> kind of. People's salaries haven't doubled in nine years, but that's what happens with super popular swims and super expensive locations. Yeah. Um, I think, um, oh, you know, talk talked to, to Blake, uh, Blake Ogle in Oxlade. Yeah, he's uh, a couple
0: weeks from That's another
1: recommendation. Now. I know he is, he's working on some ideas that uh, to create some um, events there that are pretty epic at the same time not hopefully costing an arm that just so yeah just new, new efforts like that to grow grow the sport and new places uh, can can help with that and of course um addressing cultural issues that prevent people from uh, culture and economics obviously issues that prevent people from learning swimming at a young age and and, and getting directed into and just encouraged to join swim teams and developing that skill early on uh you know, i think marathon swimmers don't come out of nowhere they oftentimes have some background in sport um and it's a matter of encouraging the development of that background or earlier on in a, a wider range of people
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's good. Thank you so much for your time today, Evan. I appreciate it.
1: to me it's been fun.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, Shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.